Well, good afternoon. How do you like our new introduction to the podcast that Joe Matheson did from Texas? One of the Rome boys did fantastic job. So, same music, just different uh, video and pictures in there. So I'm very excited. It was a good job that he had done. Anyway, I'm back from the Holy Land. This is Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. It is May the 25th, Thursday at 3 p.m. And we're glad you're here. So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Holy Father, Father, you are the God of the universe, and you who humble yourself and listen to us. We ask you, Father, that you would give us grace through the Holy Spirit, that we would have hearts humbled before you to only live your holy will, to do your holy will. Father, please. Please help us to desire your will more than our next breath. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us, good Saint Joseph. Pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. I'm sorry I have a sinus infection. It's all I can hear. It's better they just put me on an antibiotic today <coughs> and flow knees or flow night, whatever it was. So um that seems to be helping. I couldn't hear at all earlier, so at least I can hear a little bit better now. Um, I think it always happens. I get these things every time I do a long flight, you know. So I just got back from the Holy Land, as we're going to talk about today. And so it was an 11 and a half hour flight from Tel Aviv to Boston, and then a two hour flight from Boston to Cleveland. And the first day I was fine. It was the next day I start clogging up and then. Uh, Great pain kept me up the other night because I got an earache. I haven't had an earache since I was a child. Anyway, so, but we're back. So what we do here, if you're new, uh, the first half hour, I do a teaching on something. And then the second half hour, you can type in comments if you're watching this live uh, under the comment section, live chat, and then I'll get to your questions. You can ask a question about anything in the Catholic Church. Uh, what I talked about, or usually it's just, you know, your own thoughts, what you need answered, and then I'll answer them for the second half hour. Um, and if you're on the, uh, doing this via our app, then you can type it into the app too, and then I'll see that in the other comments here. And again, I'll get to, and I also have, you can also send them in if you're not watching live, send your stuff in to the Reason for Our Hope, and just put on the the bind line that it's for the podcast, Father Larry Richards for the podcast. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, nothing worse than to do that on live radio huh? or video. Anyway, so I want to talk about uh, the pilgrimage, a pilgrimage, since I just uh, led a pilgrimage with 70 people and some of them watch every week. So if you're watching this week, hi, it's, uh, it was a fantastic time, uh, some great people. Uh, they came on the pilgrimage. There were 72 of us, um, fantastic people. And so what a pilgrimage does, of course, is we get, especially if you go to the Holy Land, you get to walk where Jesus walked. 
It's a great grace. When I was a young seminarian, my spiritual director, Father Peterson, says, uh, you ask Jesus to get to the Holy Land, and you'll get to the Holy Land. So I did, and I was just there for my third time. And to go and to be where all the places where Jesus and his humanity was, it helps us to make Jesus more real. And that's one of the most powerful things, I think, because sometimes we make Jesus this pious reality. You know, we have pictures of him where, you know, he's holding his heart and he's smiling and all that stuff, which is fine, but it isn't the real Jesus. It isn't the Jesus that walked the hills that of Galilee that walked on the water that was there, the real Jesus who had to go to the bathroom like all of us have to go to the bathroom, who had a headache, who had everything else, 100% like us in all things but sin. And so it, it makes him more real and it's truly life-changing whenever you get to do a pilgrimage. And so I'd encourage you that you, you want to do a pilgrimage, especially to the Holy Land. Uh, get there uh, and make it a spirituality. You know, again, the first day I got there, and you can watch every one of the talks that I gave over there during Mass or the Mass on the, the YouTube channel, on this YouTube channel, and it's all under the Holy Land. And it's also on our app, and everything's under the Holy Land. And um, you can watch the first Mass we had there and what I said to the pilgrims from Magdala until the last, uh, we couldn't get the whole mass, but the homily of uh, when we were at the Holy Sepulcher. That was uh, the last place we were at uh, for the pilgrimage. We had a private mass later on uh, to give everybody, get them their Sunday mass for the way home. But anyway, to, to desire to see Jesus as he was, as he is, is a very important reality because it makes our faith personally more real, if you will. So we began at Magdala. It's a beautiful place, and Magdala is where they just found it about, uh, what, 15, 20 years ago, and it's the place where Mary, Ma Mary Magdala came from. And uh, in there is the, uh, the unearthed, the original synagogue there where Jesus would have been, the places Jesus would have walked. In the very uh, basement of the chapel there, there's a beautiful uh, picture of the woman just touching the hem of Jesus. And all it is is a bunch of feet, and Jesus' feet, and, you know, it's humongous. It takes up the whole wall. And then uh, the woman just touches the hem, and you can see the healing go through her whole body, and it's fantastic. But it's built on the actual stones where Jesus walked. Isn't that amazing when you sit there? Because a lot of the places are under, you know, five, ten feet of uh, dirt because throughout the century, last uh, 2,000 years, you know, it was built and covered over and built and covered over. So it's not like you just go to the Holy Land and you're walking the hills and it's what Jesus walked. It's been covered for centuries. And so when they uncover and they see like this is the place, this is the actual, in Magdala, what they built the chapel on is an actual road that Jesus would have walked on when he went to Magdala. 
you know, it's all, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee isn't that big, you know. Often we think about the sea as this big thing. It's about 32 miles around. If you were to walk it, you could walk the whole thing, 32 miles around. It's a small lake. Um, and, of course, we got to go out on a Jesus boat, you know, and, to, and they take you out, and then they keep silent, and fantastic. But for me, I got there a day before everybody else, and so just to get up early in the morning and go out to the lake and to know this is where Jesus was and to listen in the morning and to see the sun rise and to see the sun sparkle, that this is the same stuff that Jesus saw. And it's good to get to be where he is, to get into his eyes, to see what he saw. Fantastic, huh? So the first day was there. Then the second day, we went over to Nazareth to uh, the place where Jesus, uh, where Mary said yes. And it's one of my favorite, <coughs> one of my favorite places to be because in the chapel of the Annunciation, the church, it's a humongous church Annunciation. And again, the church is built. Uh, we were upstairs, of course, when we had the Mass. But it's built on centuries of dirt, and they dig down, dig down to the very bottom, to the actual place, they say, where Mary said yes to the angel. So this is the birth of salvation history with Christ. You know, again, and I talked about we always have just one purpose in our life is to do God's holy will. And that was the purpose that Mary sought. You know, and often people will say, well, Mary said yes. And I, That's fantastic but we got to say yes too. And just as Mary's yes brought Jesus to the world, salvation to the world, salvation to her family, so our yes can do the same. It brings us salvation. We say yes to God's will. It brings our family to salvation. We say yes to God's will. It brings the world salvation. We say yes to God's holy will uh, because that's his will that all be saved. And so for us to be instruments of that and just to be there at the place where Mary said yes, to teach me and to teach the pilgrims that you and I must also say yes. It's your will be done, not mine. And we have to keep doing that. When I come to pray, Jesus, what do you want of me? And again, I talk big about this, right? You know, it's good. You're right. But I don't always live that, you know. So um, like when I'm in prayer, Again, the last couple of days when I've been sick, I've been uh, getting up early and spending time. And sometimes it's kind of like complaining about, Lord, you know, I'm not feeling very good. And, da, da, da. and he says, would you shut up and listen? Yes, Lord. You know, so again, I exist to do God's will. And so Mary reminds us of that. So when you actually go to the place where Mary said, yes, you're at the cave and it's fantastic. And then once you go there, you can, you know, you walk up the hill and you go to the church of St. Joseph and the place where they probably lived as a family, you know, to think about, you ever think about when Jesus grew up, you know, we, we hear about him born. And then the 30 hidden years, because Jesus started uh, his ministry at about 30 years old. huh? And so those hidden 30 years. And when you can go over there and you can see, well, this is where Joseph was. This is how, you know, how big Nazareth was in those days. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. 
And it just helps you to get into the mind of Jesus again. And I think that's part of what every pilgrimage to the Holy Land is supposed to be anyway, to get into the mind and the heart of Jesus, to not just go to where he was, but to try to see things the way he saw it, to see all the stuff, how he had to work for 30 years with his father. And again, I've heard it before, but they reminded us the tours that uh, when they talk, the word for is tekon, I think that's the, the Greek for it, about what Joseph was, which isn't a carpenter. It's uh, one who also does carpentry, but it's a, a stone cutter. It's, a, it's a, a worker with all kinds. It was a builder. And so Jesus learned in his humanity to do all that stuff with his hands. And how often we think that, oh, Jesus did, you know, he was God. He was God, 100%. He taught the uh, word of God. He, he was the word of God incarnate. And yet he worked with his hands. He wasn't ashamed to do that. He worked with his father. He wasn't ashamed to call Joseph his foster father, but to work with him and to earn a living when he was young for 30 years, which is a lot of years, with Joseph, with Mary, working with his hands. And to know that when I am working, that can be holy if I'm doing God's will and I'm doing it for God's glory. So no matter what you do in your life, you should always do it for the love of God. Say, God, I do what I do today for love of you. And make everything you do an act of love to the Father, to Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, simple people, very, very simple place is where the God of the universe decided to incarnate himself for love of us. Fantastic. So then, after we go from Lazarus, and all this is outside, this is all in Galilee, most of Jesus' life was spent in Galilee. You know, that's where he preached, that's where he was with uh, the Galileans, they called him a Galilean. These were not like the, the ritzy rich Jews and everything, they were the regular people. And again, it's uh, important to remember that Jesus came to be a regular person to hang out with regular people. You know, he would hang out with the poor. He'd hang out with the con, uh, the um, outcast. And this is what Jesus wanted to do. And so then I reflect on my own life and think, am I a person that just hangs out with richy, richy people or holy, holy people or people who agree with me? Or do I go out and do I mix with people who do not agree with me, who are not accepted by society? Am I afraid to be with them? And if I am, isn't it amazing? Again, we talked about it. Uh, the people Jesus chose to hang out with is often the people we choose to avoid. And the people Jews, Jesus chose to avoid are the people we like to hang out with. And so it's good when you go on a pilgrimage so you can re-see things and thinking, am I living the life that Jesus wants? Or am I living my life and asking Jesus to bless it? <clears throat> Which again is an altogether different reality if we're truly disciples of Jesus. So a pilgrimage, when we go out of our way and we get out of our own comfort zone, we get out of the way uh, that we do things and we see the way Jesus did things, it's like, huh, am I doing it? Am I living the life that Jesus lived? Am I other-centered? Am I going out of my way for other people? Again, that can be some of the greatest things that we do. And <clears throat> I just want to <clears throat> make sure I'm getting 
everything in right, right order here. <coughs> Excuse me. As I go through this, because again, it was, uh, we went with Select International. I love going with Select International as I've been to many different uh, groups, things throughout the years. But I love Select because um, everything's paid for. You pay for your, uh, all your meals are covered. Every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Usually you just get uh, breakfast and some dinners. Usually never lunch at a lot of places. You also, we pay ahead of time all the, uh, um, what do you call them, tips. So we don't have to take a collection of every tip. You know, every place where every uh, person's coming, we just take and we do our, our trip, uh, our thing, and, that's, uh, and then that's plenty. It's, uh, it's just an easy way to do it again after all these years of me doing these type things. And uh, we stay at uh, great places. The only thing that wasn't so great is when we were in Bethlehem, you know, because um, it's amazing how poorly that Israel, uh, the Jewish part of Israel, treats Christians. They keep them over in Palestine. You have to go through, there's a big gate all around, and it's all the Christians that suffer. And so the Muslims are in Palestine. The Christians, what they do just to uh, survive is they have to work in tourism <laughs> or if they can get a pass to go over to Israel. But it's extremely poor, 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 poor. So you go to Bethlehem and you see the way that uh, people are treated. It's horrible. And yet, you know, we have to go there and see that. Because sometimes we just, we just automatically say, well, Israel's our friend. And again, we support them. But they've got to start treating Christians better. We go over there and we spend our money and then uh, they treat the Christians in Bethlehem horrendously, horrendously. So again, so when you stay in Bethlehem, you can't stay at a very uh, ritzy hotel because there just isn't any. Um, we need to do more to make sure that uh, we are <coughs> taking care of our Christian brothers and sisters in Bethlehem. <coughs> so anyway... After we go to Nazareth, then we get into the church of the uh, uh, Annunciation. Then we went to Cana of Galilee where Jesus uh, performed his first miracle. And we renewed everybody's, <coughs> excuse me, we renewed everybody that, were, that was married there, their, their marriage vows. It was fantastic. Last time I was there, I actually married somebody there. But again, to go here was the place where Jesus, think about it, Jesus just wanted to be with people. And he was at a wedding feast. The wedding feast last days. It was the third day of the feast. All of the wine was gone. They had been drinking wine for three days. Mary looks at Jesus and says, they are out of wine. Jesus looks at his mother and says, what's that got concern with me? My time has not yet come. I could just see Mary just say, come here, whack. <laughs> but she didn't, of course. She was the Holy Mother of God. But when... She didn't take that as the last word. She says, what's the last words recorded from Mary in Scripture? Do whatever he tells you. And then he performed a miracle. But he was with people at a celebration, days of celebration, days of drinking, and he made more wine. God is not above that stuff. God is in the midst of that stuff. 
in the midst of your life and my life. We sometimes think we want to, there should be no part of your life you keep God from. Jesus wants to be part of every part of that. Okay, so then we went to Caesarea Philippi, and then we went and uh, went to Mount Tabor, and we got to say Mass where Jesus was transfigured. And again, to go up uh, this mountain and to say the Mass there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And again, you can watch that online. We had to record it um, because we were down in a cave, if you will, at the top of Mount Tabor, so it didn't record real well by uh, Internet. So we had to record it, and we had to merge it together. But anyway, you can see that and how uh, Jesus wants to show us that of the glory that awaits all of us when we always do God's holy will. Then after that, we went to the Sea of Galilee, and we had Peter's fish. I did not. I hate Peter's fish, but that was at the Mount of Beatitudes. And then we went to uh, Capernaum, and then we went to the church, the primacy of St. Peter, and we went to the place of the multiplication of the loaves. The primacy of St. Peter is my favorite part of the day because it's at the rock along the shore, that Jesus asked the question of Peter, do you love me? And so I told all the people, what I want you to do is go in there and sit and be quiet because often when you're in a pilgrimage, you're going from place to place to place. You're taking pictures of all these things and you don't experience it. So I said, I want you to go in there and shut up and sit with Jesus and be still and let Jesus ask you, do you love me? What's your answer? It's not you want to follow me as a, as a Catholic and go to the Catholic Church and make sure that you're doing everything the Catholics do, which is important. I'm not saying don't do that, but it's, it's much more than that. It's an intimate relationship of love. He asked the first pope three times, do you love me, to fix how he denied him three times. And that's the question. Do you love me? Do you love Jesus? That's the question. And so when you can sit there at the very place he asked the first pope, and then he looks over at you and he says, do you love me? Then you can answer that and enter into the intimacy. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus said to Peter, when he says to you, do you love me three times? And we go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to sit at my feet now and worship me and pray with me all the time. That's what I want. Nope. He says, if you love me, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my flock. He wants us to love and to feed others if we love him. And that's everybody. So, and my concern, does my spirituality prove itself true because it becomes other-centered? Or does my spirituality keep me focused on myself? Never of God. A true spirituality of Christianity focuses you on other people. Huh? So, then we went to, uh, we also went to Mount Carmel. Uh, and then the next day we go up to Mount Carmel and we go to Bethlehem and um, we got to say mass up at Mount Carmel where the first Carmel came and I've always had great devotion to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It's where I did my first mass with the sisters there and I rededicate my priest to the Blessed Mother every year up at Mount Carmel. So it was fantastic to say, uh, to say mass up there uh, and then we saw a lot of Herod's palace and that. Then we got to stay in Bethlehem. And again, I already talked about uh, when we go to Bethlehem, it's a different reality. So um, we go to Bethlehem, and then we go to the Wailing Wall, and then we had Mass at the uh, St. Anne's place uh, where Mary was born. 
so the church of St. Anne. And then there was the pool there where Jesus healed people. And again, a fantastic time to walk, to go all the way back to the place where Mary was born. When St. Anne and Joachim were there and how Mary had to grow up. Fantastic. You go there and you, you get to spend time with them there. And then to go to the Wailing Wall, we went to the Dome of the Rock and all that. And that's, it's interesting to see and to touch the wall that uh, would have been a whole temple in those days. But even uh, Jerusalem is much different. It, the wall is much bigger today than it was during Jesus' time. When Jesus was uh, uh, crucified, he was crucified outside the wall. Now it's fully incorporated, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. But we'll get to that in a second. Then we went to Shepherd's Field. And again, we, had, uh, we, couldn't, we were in a cave of the shepherds, and that used to be. So uh, the Mass and that's a little bit different. We had to record it and splice it together again. Fantastic place to do that. And then we went into Jerusalem and went to the Mount of Olives and the Church of the Paternostra, which is fantastic, and I got to give a little spiel there. It's not recorded. We did it here, though, once. Uh, I can go back to it about what the Lord's Prayer is about, and I went through that with them. And then on that day, we sat there, and um, um, we celebrated Mass in the Basilica of the Agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, I said Mass, and uh, he preached. Or no, he said, yeah, that's the way it was. He preached. And so they have that big rock there where Jesus... Uh, said yes to the will of God. So we began where Mary said yes to the will of God, and then we go to where Jesus says yes to the will of God and sends them to the cross, and how we have to always say yes to the will of God in our own lives. Then we went to the upper room, and it was funny because it was also, was that the day? Yeah, the very day we went to the church of the, Annunciation, of the, uh, of the Ascension, on the Feast of Ascension. Now, it was so good to be up in the mount uh, where Jesus ascended to heaven. We're there on the feast day of the ascension. It was fantastic to sit there. And again, to, uh, Jesus goes up into heaven. He leaves us here to do his will, to bring others to him. Again, it's always about others, always about others, always about others. And then we go to the River Jordan. I got to say Mass at the River Jordan. That you can see uh, the whole Mass because we got a chance to fix that. And then we went down to Jericho uh, and got to see uh, like uh, the place, uh, one of the trees, a sycamore tree, that uh, not, the, not the original sycamore tree, but humongous sycamore trees like where Zacchaeus would go. Um, and the people got to, we went to the Mount of Temptation and John and everybody got to, John Edwards, who I went with, who really led the tour, did a fantastic job. He had to get up on a camel, and he preached from the camel, which was quite interesting. Uh, but again, fantastic. And then the last day, we got up early, and well, that, the day before, we went to the Dead Sea, and you've heard me talk about it before. The Dead Sea is much, much bigger. It's like four times bigger than Galilee. Galilee is full of life because it receives, and it gives. The Dead Sea is filled with death because it only receives. So again, in the spiritual life, if we're only takers, we die. If we give and receive, we live. But whenever we sit there and we try to stop any kind of spiritual thing, God, just give it to me, then we die spiritually. So we always have to be giving. Then we go to the very last place where it was, of course, this, we did the Stations of the Cross in the morning. And uh, the person says, that, well, the, the one of the tour guides, he says, now, Father, are you going to say the rosary now between stations? I said, no, I just wanted to meditate on it. Father, I've done this a long time. They will not be quiet. They will not meditate. I says, you don't know me. 
I promise you they're going to be quiet. Now, who do you think was true about that? Every person was totally silent. So I can meditate because, again, I just told people everything Jesus did, he did for you. So as you walk the way that Jesus walked, meditate what he did for you and be grateful. Say thank you. And then we go to the tomb of the, the Holy Sepulchre. And I don't like the, what they've called it. Through. I like it better with what the Greeks called it. Instead of focusing on a tomb like we do, they call it the Church of the Resurrection, which is what we should be focused on, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from that empty tomb. Now, again, when you go there, like, you can see from the cross, the hill, you can see where he was, uh, the very place where the, it says the, uh, the stone was broke and cracked when Jesus died. You can actually see the crack in the stone. And so at the top of that is where Jesus died. But it's only a close distance, not far away. From here, you can walk three minutes, four, two minutes from here to where the tomb was, where Jesus was put. And so to actually go into the tomb, to be at the place where Jesus Christ rose from the grave, the tomb is still there, but Jesus isn't. If they were to find Jesus Christ, we no longer have Christianity. It doesn't exist. It's a lie. If Jesus' bones were in there, then the whole thing is a lie. We believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Body, soul, divinity, all resurrected. And we believe as he did, so we shall do. And we say it every week. I believe in the resurrection of the body. Our body, even if it's been cremated, will be resurrected and be brought new. Fantastic. And so to be able to sit there and think that as Jesus Christ, and that was one of my strongest homily uh, that day in the tomb from the Holy Sepulchre, and that's only the homily there. <clears throat> and so, but again, that we must live life, that God doesn't give us life and tell us not to live it. He rose from the grave to give us life now. I am the resurrection of life and forever. So we live life every day for the glory of God. We are, as St. Augustine said, an alleluia. <clears throat> uh, we are, an, uh, uh, a, we are a Easter people and alleluia is our cry. You know, so we should be joyful. We should be focused on the resurrection. We all go through suffering, yes. But that's not our life, people of God. God did not create you to watch you suffer. If he did, that is not a very good and loving God. Correct? I'm going to give you life, and you're going to suffer all of it, and then I'm going to bring you to heaven. Don't worry. Well, why don't you just put me in heaven? Why are you just watching me suffer? Now, when we suffer, if we offer it for others, then we become like Christ. Jesus suffered. He didn't suffer his whole life. Did he? Is there anything that ever says that Jesus suffered his whole life? At the end of his life, he said, all this I've told you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus, resurrected to the, from the dead and now lives inside of you and me as a resurrected Lord. So we must truly live our lives as Jesus did and as we will forever. We should be the most alive people. The people don't become more dead in our presence. They become more alive in our presence. So think about it. Do I live such a life that people become more alive by interacting with Jesus Christ inside of me, the resurrected Lord? If not, 
Don't go feel bad about it and say, see, I'm no good, I'm no good. It's not, there's nothing helpful about that. Repent and say, Lord, help everybody to see you inside of me, that you live inside of me, that you're alive. Show the world Jesus. So, you got it? You get it? Are you going to live it? Make sure you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, so again, that was our Holy Land trip. And well, I'll be going there again, God willing. Uh, so hopefully start saving some money and uh, uh, it won't be for at least three years or four years or so. Uh, but then you can come back, God willing, and uh, go through all those experiences one-on-one. Okay, so let's go ask some questions. And we're gonna go, I see there is some questions here on the app. So we'll start there today. Do you have plans to offer another Holy Land pilgrimage? Yes, I so wanted to go, but life issues didn't permit it. Um, yeah, that happens. But again, you just pray and ask God, and he'll get you there. And how's Joe? He, uh, Joe's fantastic. He was kind of happy to see me. They were eating lunch, so I walked in after not seeing me for two weeks, and he didn't look, ah, okay, he's here. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's really Diane. Again, I keep saying this again and again and again. Nobody listens. But even like today, uh, she wasn't there. Uh, Diane's the one who has his sister and takes him. She's the, my director of ministries. And so I, after uh, I had to go over, I had a spiritual direction meeting for one of the seminarians. And so I go over there, and Diane isn't back from the, the church yet. Uh, and as uh, first thing he does, and he, he only saw her like less than uh, 12 hours earlier, you know, four o'clock the next day, and he goes in, and she wasn't in there. He goes to his room, he starts crying. He walks, runs down the hall, rocks down a thing, crying. Was it? I gave him a treat. No, no, no. Then finally Diane walks in, and he goes, nuts. I says, that's it. But anyway, yes, he was glad to see me, but not as glad as he was to see Diane. Okay, let's go here. Uh, hello, friends. How's the sinuses? Again, we're on uh, antibiotic now, so you should get back. Welcome back, Father. Thank you for your prayers, praying for you. And we did. We prayed for you and your intentions every day while we were over there. Uh, good you caught it live. I love that trip. Thanks, Terry. Audrey, Terry, can I can only imagine. Bless you. To Father Larry, our awesome pastor, one of a kind. He is one of a kind. I don't know if he's awesome, but yes. Is there a place that was not just videos, but some photos of the places. I watch at some point every day. Uh, I didn't post any pictures. I just stole from what John Edwards did. So John Edwards published lots of pictures. So if you want, and John Edwards ran the trip. So if you want anything, just go to a guy in the pew. It's called a guy in the pew, John Edwards. And he posted all the pictures. And so uh, you can see everything. And he goes through it, and you can see all his pictures there. Um, so, but I didn't post any. I just reposted what he posted to the two of us. But that was about it. Okay. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Good to be back. Where's your water? You need hydration. Right here. And I drank a bunch before I got here. But thanks for reminding me. Um, especially when I please stay hydrated. I do a lot of uh, uh, drinking water. Thank you very much. Anyway, we will miss. Uh, will you miss having Bishop Elect Losi in Erie? We sure will. You know he's my classmate. So uh, my classmate was just named Bishop of the Diocese of Kalamazoo, and the day he gets uh, brought uh, made Bishop ordained a Bishop, I will. 
be doing a uh, in Lansing, Diocese of Lansing, a priest retreat. So as soon as we found out yesterday he was going to be bishop, we called up there and asked if they would let me leave in the afternoon because it's 2 o'clock and it's only an hour and a half drive. And they graciously are going to let me give a talk, in a, a one or two talks in the morning, a talk at night, so that they'll have the afternoon free to meditate. And that while I go to my classmates' ordination. I'm very excited. If anyone was made to be bishop, it was him. Uh, he said he was surprised, but, you know, he went to Rome. He was there for five years. I'd be surprised if they called me to be a bishop because that would be like a very, 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 very long shot of never happening. Why? Because I have never worked in a chancery. I've never done any of that type of stuff, which usually our bishops come from. I've only been a pastor. So, but I'm very, very happy for him. He is a very good man. He's going to be a fantastic fantastic bishop up there and if anybody's in the Kalamazoo diocese watching you have a great man coming very holy man prayerful man you're gonna love him bishop Losey. that's unbelievable even to say it okay okay father what about what do you think of sister woman's incorrupt body what is the lord trying to convey with this miracle again i'm not to me the miracles of everyday life are more important that Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, humbles himself every day in the Eucharist and God feeds us with his own precious body and blood. That's a miracle, the greatest miracles. And so when we see an incorrupt body, and you do realize there's other people that aren't Catholics that have incorrupt bodies. Sometimes things go, but none of that, all that being said, when anyone is incorrupt, it can be a great miracle to show us about the incorruption of the body. Um, but again, though, I'm, you know, like when Medjugorje was big and people were going, the Blessed Mother's appearing in Medjugorje. I said, Jesus is appearing every day at Mass. But we take the commonplace miracles every day and they're like, okay, but, but there's an incorrupt body. Because that concerns idea about look how holy they were, but the call for all of us is that same holiness, and to recognize the miracles in our daily lives. That's the biggest thing for me, anyway. Okay, Bruce, Father, has there been anything come down on consulting of parish to diocese yet? No, we're still in the midst of that. Uh, we're talking a lot about it, though. I always ask you about The Chosen, which I love, and they're filming in Texas now, season four. But did you see Jesus' Revolution? If so, what do you think? Do you, remember, do you remember the movement? I don't remember the movement. I watched the movie on the way over to the Holy Land. I didn't get all the way through it. Um, but in the beginning, I thought, this is uh, fantastic. It's the same person that plays Jesus as the revolution person there. So I thought it was good. And again, I think that when we're going out of our way, like the movie did, to, it's just not if, if any church is comfortable in itself and it doesn't want to welcome other people and they would leave if street people or other people joined, then that was never the church of Jesus Christ in the first place. Again, to go back on a pilgrimage, we want to hang out with whom Jesus hangs out with. So we need to make sure that we're comfortable with everybody being saved, not just my kind of people. Again, whenever you think of my kind of people, you have stopped being a follower of Jesus Christ. You have joined your own little country club, and this is the way you like things. And that 
is Phariseeism, and it's not of Jesus Christ. So that's why when I saw that, and I go, yeah, look at the people that left, they'd get mad and everything else. Um, absolutely, then go, get out. You know, go to your own little place and think you're holy. But anyone who thinks they're holy automatically is not, just so you know. So anyway, okay. I love that you pray the Our Father slowly. How can I talk into my parish priest? <laughs> you got to pray for his conversion first. <clears throat> so there you go. Let's take some of these questions here. Okay, now this question is a serious question, but it's adult topic. So if you have any kids in the room uh, and you don't want them to watch us, whether this is live or whether this is thing, this would be a good time to have the kids taken out and you listen to it, but take the kids to another room. Everybody understand? Because it's an adult question. And I want to make sure that our podcast deals with adult questions if they come up, okay? So did you get everybody out? Are you getting them out now? Make sure. It's an adult question. You're not going to like the topic. I'm telling you. Ready? Get him out. Okay. Let's do it. Recently, and this is anonymous, recently I've had something weighing on me. I've went to countless doctors, psychiatrists, and therapists, but they don't see the world in God's eyes. Unfortunately, no churches I have went to can find a cure. I was praying to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to light the way for me. You see, I've been having thoughts and dreams about other men while I myself am a man. I know that God can fix me through the right teachings. I want a happy life and a beautiful wife and children. I can't stand these tempting homosexual desires. Please enlighten me and teach me to fully accept Jesus Christ and God's word. So you see why it's an adult question. First of all, I want you to know that God is with you. Temptation is not sin. Uh, again, I've talked about before when I was in seminary and I read Divine Mercy in my soul and I, uh, I said to Jesus, you know, because in there he gives, he goes up to Sister Faustina Wednesday and he takes a golden sash and he places it around her waist and says, I give you this golden sash. From this day forward, you will never be sexually tempted again. And I'm reading this and going, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus I want one of those uh, sashes. She was a nun in a convent. I want one. I got to live with people all the time. He never gave me one. So first of all, you got to know the temptation is not sin. This isn't. The devil can throw all kinds of things at you, but temptation is not sin. First part. As long as you don't give in to it, you know, you're always going to have temptation to almost anything. And the more you sit there and uh, fight against it, it's going to be problematic. What I do with any kind of temptation, and I have temptation too, not the same types, but when my temptation comes, I always invite Jesus into the temptation. You see? Because when you invite Jesus into it, you let him take charge over it. And then you're letting him fight for you. You're letting Jesus, and Jesus Christ lives inside of you. So Jesus is always stronger than the, tempt, the one who tempts you. We were told in seminary that during consecration, when the priest I am offering up and bringing the holiest part of the Mass, when I'm saying this is my body and I hold up the God of the universe, that is when we can sometimes get the strongest sexual temptations. And I'm thinking, well, that's just not true. And then I got ordained. 
And I go, oh, I found out that is true. Because the devil wants us to focus on anything but Jesus. So when you bring Jesus into the very temptation, the devil asks to scream, okay? So if you want help over your temptation, again, I'd encourage you to deal with what I tell everybody on how to deal with temptation, okay? And this is the way Jesus dealt with temptation. First, you gotta know who you are. You are a beloved son or daughter of Jesus, of God the Father. Huh? When Jesus was baptized, what happened to Jesus happens to you. When we got baptized, we are adopted as beloved sons or daughter, daughters of the Father. So you gotta know who you are. And again, as I've said a billion times here, you're all sick of it, I'm sure, by now, but God knows our sin, but he calls us by our name. The devil knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. Who are you? You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. That's your identity, okay? So you must know who you are. And then, that was Mark chapter 1, verse 11. In Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says, the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. So sometimes we just want temptation to go away and God doesn't want us, to, doesn't want to free us from temptation. He wants us to deal with temptation. So, but we don't deal with it alone. We have the spirit of God. The spirit, the Greek, it goes back to the word dynamism, or dynamite. The God is like dynamite, spiritual dynamite inside of us. So we don't struggle with temptation alone. The spirit of the living God will fight with you and give you the tools necessary. So first, know who you are. Two, know that the Spirit of the living God is with you. And then three, what does Jesus do with all three temptations that are given to him? He takes the Word of God and he shoves it down the devil's throat. And the devil runs. And so since the Word of God isn't just a book, but it's the person of Jesus Christ where I said invite Jesus into it. Look up um, scriptures. So put in Google uh, scriptures to help with homosexual uh, temptation or, or sexual temptation, whatever it happens to be. And then you're going to find some. And then you memorize that. And when you're being tempted, know who you are, know the power of God within you, and then take his word and shove it down the devil's throat, and the devil will leave. Now again, I've taught this for a long time. Most people don't do it. They pay no attention to Father when they ask me a question. They don't do as I instruct them. But I have done it in my own life, and the people that do it, and I give them it, uh, they also uh, have victory over that. Again, think about St. Augustine. St. Augustine really struggled with following Jesus because he did not want to give up his sexual sin. He said, as most of you know, St. Augustine, one of our greatest saints, said, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. He struggled. He was living with a woman. He loved the woman. They had a son who became a priest one day, but he was really honest. That's why I always say, pious, don't do anything. But honesty does a lot. Make me pure, but not yet. But what finally converted him, he was struggling, he was out in the thing, and he heard someone say, take and read, take and read, and there was a Bible there. And he picked it up, and he took, and he read, and it says, no longer shall you engage in lust or put on the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever exactly the scripture was. I can't think of it right now, but I'm pretty close to that. And then instantly, 
he was converted. The Word of God transformed him. The Word of God will transform you. So again, know who you are. Know the power of God's Spirit inside of you. And know, memorize some scripture verses so when you're tempted, you throw them down the devil's throat in the midst of the temptation. which you invite Jesus into it, and the devil will run. Okay? Okay, you can bring the kids back. So, just so you know. Uh, okay, I always ask the teacher. Okay, there, Jerry, does anyone else nod their head when Father speaks? Just me. <laughs> <laughs> I nod my head. That's like, but usually I'm doing it this way. Anyway, good. Um, from Missouri, Harry, where the heck you been, Harry? Anyway, Father, I was busy mixing concrete. Well, that's pretty good, mixing concrete, just like Jesus. Uh, and then I got carried away by watching Sister Mary Leo's talk at Knock Conference. Good to see you back. There you go. I'm sure her talk was better than anything we do here. Please help me remember, what are the words we speak when Father holds up the host that changed since I was a child? I've only recently been back in all the churches say the same words. I always sit there and say, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And I have always added to that prayer, increase my love for you and your people and forgive me my sins. Privately, that's a private prayer. It's not a public prayer, Okay. Ah, the prior public prayers, Lord, I'm not worthy that you enter my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Okay, here we go. Father Larry, we have a beloved priest who has just been made to retire by the bishop. We used to have mass every day, but now we only have it once a week by a priest who doesn't really seem to care. What can we do besides pray? A lot of times now, this is becoming more and more... uh, the truth at various places. We just don't have the priest. And the priest has to retire at 75. Um, and a lot of times they'll let the priest stay, so I don't know everything going on. Uh, and a lot of times, if they don't have daily mass, then I say if it's a 20-minute drive, you want to go to a daily mass, then drive the 20 minutes to the next parish where you can go. Um, because it's going to be happening throughout the United States more and more and more, like in our diocese, sooner than later, that we're only going to have fewer and fewer priests. So you've got to keep praying for vocations and that God will give us more priests to fill these spaces. Hi, two questions, Father Larry. How does one who has been harboring resentments for a lifetime be healed? First, by saying, Jesus, I forgive them and I ask you to forgive them. You have to make an act of forgiveness. You must, and it's an act of the will. You must do that. Instead of, well, I just hold these resentments. Well, it's time to get over them. And it begins with, Lord, I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. It doesn't mean that the feelings go away. But if you, have to, if you say that enough, God will start changing your heart. Uh, can Catholics be cremated? Yes, they can. If so, how can they be united with their bodies at the resurrection? Again, because the God who created us out of nothing can recreate us out of the things that were there. Even people that go into the ground, uh, you become dust. The worms eat you and you come out the other side dust. We'll all become dust, but God can bring all that dust together. You know, what do you do if people get exploded? I mean, God is God. Don't you think God can do everything? So, of course he can. Uh, Perth, Australia. I love Perth, Australia. Michael down there who had me down a couple years ago. He's one of the best people in the whole wide world. Uh, Fantastic. Guy from China. 
greatest Catholic ever, one of the best people. I love to hear him. He calls me grumpy. Can you imagine he calls me grumpy? But I love Perth. I hope to get back down to Perth uh, one of these years if they ever invite me back. Anyway. Hello, Charlene from Perth. There you go. Okay, what about here? Can we get kind of pottery on Zoom quarterly if the schedule allows? I miss them. We haven't brought back pints of Padre yet. We have to do it. Um, yeah, there's a whole list of things I got to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I came back off the plane and I'm sick and then all these people are calling me and all this stuff and yes, but we'll get it done. That's part of the reality. Uh, we'll do it. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Father Larry, as more and more respected Catholic speakers give in to the anti-Francis agenda, you got that right, I feel at a loss how to react. I mean, we've supported these people sometimes, and now I feel like uh, they're turning against the Catholic Church, even though they call themselves Catholic in fact and pride themselves. What is to be my reaction? Uh, please tell me to pray for them, but it's not always easy. I'm really mad at them instead. Should I email them and complain, or should I shut up? I would email them and not complain, but I would email them and says it breaks my heart that you're not faithful to the uh, Pope of the Church, period. And that's what I'd do. They need to hear it, that's for sure. Uh, people are, yeah, again, we've already done this, and we know how nutsy I get. Um... Okay, I have a question for you. I lost my mom to cancer, and then eight months later after that, my dad suddenly died. And if that wasn't bad enough, just three days after my dad died, my younger sister was only 40, 52 years old and unexpectedly died. Uh, it sounds like my life last year. I have been hearing you say that we need to get to know them as they are and not as they were. What does that look like? How do I do that? What exactly does it mean? I have felt stuck in my grieving we believe in a communion of saints. So every time we go to Mass or Adoration, it's not just us, but it's all the people who are before us who already see Jesus. So, like with me, like next to my place, like just this morning when I was doing my whole yard, um, I have a picture of my mother. And so I just start talking to her, just as if she was there. And she is when I'm praying in the communion of saints. And so it's just to sit there and ask God to help you to see them as he sees them now, beyond time. And in time, you'll get to know that and do that. Again, now that my sister, my father, my brother-in-law, uh, my mother, they're all in heaven now. And so I wait for the day when I can join them, but I know that in the communion of saints, we're already one. That's the greatest thing about the communion of saints. There is no such thing as the communion of the damned. It's only the communion of saints, which means we are together in Jesus always. So it's in Jesus. Again, you just start talking to them as they are, where you are today. Not just, I miss you so. That's keeping them where they were. But to get to talk to them as they are. Okay? Pint of Guinness. Guinness, where I come from, Catholics drink Guinness. Guinness is too strong for me. I can only have one. It drives me crazy. I'm sorry, Father, for this comment and maybe trying to be funny. I was looking back to uh, your old videos. I would say you look better now than when you were younger. <laughs> You're completely correct. I'm a lot skinnier now than I was then. 
Anyway, thanks, Tony, for coming with us. It was fantastic. I got to go. Got a time to go see my shrink. Um, we got a lot to talk about. So, as always, I pray for you every day. I love you. I ask you to please pray for me every day that I always stay faithful to Jesus and his most holy will. God willing, we'll see you next Thursday. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. See you next week or tomorrow if you watch Daily Mass. God bless you.